and uncertainty, one truth stands. God exists and is present in your life. As you trust Him, anxieties fade. God is guiding you. He has led you to this place, and He will lead you on. The Bible teaches that those who follow Christ shall live by faith. Join us in this series to unlock the power of trust, embrace the benefits of trusting God, and watch your faith grow. Your journey into trust begins. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Xavier Maryland, and I have the privilege of being the campus pastor at our Missouri City campus. And if you're joining us online at Missouri City, at Richmond Rosenberg, or here in the room, I want to let you know that we are super excited that you've been here uh, and that you are here. If you're joining us from one of the campuses, what you don't know is we just had this really, really sweet worship moment, and I'm so excited to jump into the Word today. We have a saying in preaching circles where I'm from is that if you can't preach after that, you should essentially go sell vacuum cleaners. There's no, this is not your calling. The Lord did not burden your heart for this. If there's a sweet worship moment like that and you're not ready to preach, uh, vacuum cleaners it is for you. Uh, As I was saying before, we are so happy that you're here. Uh, We've been in this sermon series called Trust Issues, and it's about trusting God in real life. Because let me tell you something, Uh, just like I had just mentioned, it is really easy to trust God in here. We're singing Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how I've proved you over and over. There are hundreds of people singing that. Even online, you're watching. The lights are low. There's haze. There's these fancy lights. It's really, really easy to trust Jesus in here. But then eventually what happens is that you and I, we must leave Sunday morning. And we go back to our lives and we go back to our families and we go back to our problems and trials and temptations and it becomes increasingly difficult to trust God. And so this whole sermon series is about how do I learn to trust God with every part of my life, every day of my life. And the sermon series has been phenomenal leading up to this moment and I invite you to go back online and to watch those sermons leading into now. We're actually opening today's conversation with a conversation and a discussion, uh, a social experiment, if you will, that I've already run at our Missouri City 8 a.m. service, and now I get to do it with the rest of you. I tested it with them to make sure that I was right so that I didn't get up here and look crazy. Uh, And so here's what I want you to do. Uh, I'll give you some background. I'm a little bit of a thrill seeker, Uh, roller coasters, go-karts, dirt bikes, like we did it all growing up. I grew up in the country, so you created your own games, like jump the brook, running through like uh, the, the forest and all of that stuff. That's what we did. And as a result, that's carried me into my life. And so uh, skiing, skateboarding, snowboarding, axe throwing, like all of those things right in my wheelhouse. Uh, most recently, my older brother called me and he doesn't call me Xavier. He definitely doesn't call me pastor. Uh, he calls me by my middle name. He says, hey, uh, my middle is Trey. He says, hey, Trey, uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go skydiving with us. Now, when I don't want to do something, I start asking all types of questions that don't really have anything to do with what we're doing. So I asked him, hey, when you say us, what do you mean? Like, is this you and somebody else? 
And then he said again, and I said, so you've done this already. Like you've lived to tell the tale. Like I, I need to know this. And so now he's trying to talk me into it. And I tell him, hey, man, it just doesn't work with my schedule. I'm just really, really busy. He's like, hey, how about I come to you and we just do it on a Saturday morning? He's like, man, I'm free. I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking at my schedule now. I'm booked until like 2038. And so I don't know when we're going to get a chance to do that. And he's like, man, you're just scared. And so he starts explaining all of these things to me, uh, which I'm going to tell you. But first, I want you to tell the person next to you. Uh, I want you to have a 60-second conversation with them. Genuinely wrestle. Uh, you tell them, let them tell you, would you go skydiving? Yes or no? And then tell them why or why not. Would you go skydiving? Yes or no? Why or why not? You could type it in the chat. You could tab the discussion at the campus. Would you go skydiving? Yes or no? And then why or why not? Some people having very long discussions. Other people very easy. No. Nope. Not doing it. Perfectly good plane. I'm not jumping out of it. Lord didn't give me wings. I'm not meant to fly. A couple of people. Would you go skydiving? Why or why not? Perfect. Now, every campus all over the room, by show of hands, if you're like me, and you do not plan on going skydiving and would not go, let me see your hand, okay? You can't see in the room, but let me tell you, it is most of the people in the room. Now, if you already have your will prepared and thus you don't care, good life insurance, uh, let me see your hand if you would go skydiving. Couple of people in the room. Yeah, yeah, I'm on the fence. I really have to agree. I'm really on the fence. I'm considering this thing. I'm gonna come talk to a few of you for some courage in a, in a bit. The, the point is, my brother, when I told him, no, I'm not going skydiving, he started giving me all of these facts and statistics. He said, hey, uh, did you know that you are 10 times more likely to die on your way to the mailbox than you are in a skydiving accident? Said, man, no more mail for me. I ain't nothing but bills in there anyway. What a dangerous mailbox. Dangerous bill. Then he starts giving me all these other statistics. Hey, did you know there are only this many accidents in the last however many years? Did you know that modern technology has pretty much eliminated almost every skydiving death that's not somebody who thinks they're better than uh, the, the craziest professional? They do all these things they shouldn't do. Hey, did you know that the, the equipment is built to do all of these things? Like, hey, I believe all those things. He's like, no, you don't believe me. You think I'm lying. Hey, I believe all of those things. But let me tell you, not enough to jump. It's just, you know, I believe them for you. I really do. As a matter of fact, my brother, after he goes skydiving, we're planning to have dinner later that week. So clearly I'm planning for him to be around. So I believe them for him and his family, just not enough for me to jump. And that brings me to the first point in our conversation today is that there are different levels of belief. There are different levels of belief. Like, like I believe that skydiving is safe, but not enough to jump. My wife believes that when she asks me to pick up things from the grocery store that I'm gonna do it, but not enough not to remind me five times. <laughs> I believed yesterday, just this much, that Colorado really could beat Oregon. Not enough to say it in public. Not enough to post it online. Few of you in the room believed foolishly that Baylor could beat UT but you didn't believe it enough to like say it too loud. Like you said, if they do, it would be cool, but not enough to like bet any money on it. Not that you should be betting, but you just wouldn't do that in the first place because there are just different levels of belief. And the same is true for your faith and your walk with God. 
that many of us, if we were to be honest, that you have come to a level of belief in God. As a matter of fact, your presence here online in person is really because deep down you believe that God exists. You believe that he created the universe. You believe that he's powerful. You believe that he's all-knowing. Those things are not big leaps for you. However, there are things about God that you believe, but not enough to put complete faith and trust in him. I believe God, but not enough to do everything that he says in the Bible. I believe God, but, but not necessarily enough to prioritize my daily devotion. I, I believe God and I trust God, but, but not enough to share them with my coworkers, my neighbors, my friends, my family. Only enough for me, not that I should spread the gospel. And what we will find is that you and I have these levels of belief and our actions start to reflect our beliefs. And here's your next fill in the blank, that you deal with belief and doubt in your life daily that every decision and all of our behaviors really are tied in to this idea of belief. That ultimately, do I trust what God says and his promises or do I trust what I say or conventional wisdom or the news or my bank account or my parents or my grandparents? And we all will wrestle with this thought daily. And, and these thoughts that we wrestle with are normally rooted in a couple of things. One, they might be rooted in a question that goes unanswered. And so there are things I, I have about God. God, why does this happen? Why do I see? And all of these things just show up and I don't know how to deal with them. Or there's a pain that's unbearable. And I say, God, why would you let this person go through this, this person? Why do I have to go through this guy? Or maybe there's something I'm struggling to let go of. And ultimately, all of those things, when I start to not deal with them properly, lead to some type of doubt. And then that doubt shows up in our life in terms of frustration with God. That doubt shows up in our life in terms of absence from church. That doubt shows up in our life in terms of sin. That doubt turns up in our life in terms of not uh, doing our daily devotion. And all of these things are a result of deep down, I don't really believe every part of what God said. And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to read a story written down by a guy named Mark. Um, not Pastor Mark, Mark in the Bible. And we find this account in Mark chapter nine. And it's about a man who dealt with his doubt, who overcame his doubt and thus got to see uh, the Lord move in his life. And I want us to have a conversation about what he did and see if there's things, if there are things that you and I can do to help us to overcome and deal with our doubt. Let me give you a little bit of background. Jesus is coming back. He had just spent some time away and Jesus is coming back from the mountain with a couple of his disciples and he comes back to this roar, this, this, this fuss, if you will. I want you to imagine what Jesus is walking into. And so while Jesus was away, there was a man who brought his son who had been perturbed by a spirit and the spirit often caused him to be mute. It often caused him to throw himself on the ground and all of these things. And so this man in his desperation has been walking around searching for for Jesus. And eventually it finds the disciples and he goes, oh my goodness, the disciples are here. They can help me deal with uh, this, this spirit that's been tormenting my son. And so he brings his son before the disciples and they start praying and try to cast out the spirit of the demon. And what happens is they're not able to do it. 
And in them not being able to do it, there's this other group of people around called the Pharisees. These are like hypocrites, if you will. They were like people in our day, they would be like in and around church, but not really having a relationship with Jesus. And so they start like barking at the disciples. I told you, you couldn't do it. This proves that what you've been teaching is false. You don't have faith. And there's all of this bickering going on. And this is what Jesus comes down the mountain from. I want you to imagine you walk into your house and there's like a five-year-old and a nine-year-old or a seven-year-old, and they're trying to explain to you something that's going on and they're all pointing fingers. And in the middle of all of this arguing, this man's son is still on the ground being tormented. And so Jesus walks back into the situation. He says, hey, 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 calm down. What, what is going on? And then we find this account written down. It says, eventually Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And the man says, from childhood, he answered. This means that he's older now. This means that he's been dealing with this issue for quite some time. And it says, it is often throwing him into the fire, into the water to kill him. And he says this, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Pause right there. You ever had a if you can moment? You ever been in something so difficult? A moment that felt so bleak? A sin that you've been stuck in so long? that you, you almost approach God and you say, God, I know what you said in your word, but if you can, if you can deliver me from this sin, if you can help me put down the alcohol finally, if you can help me deal with my anger issue, because you've been dealing with something so long. And that's where this man is. is Jesus, I don't, if, if you can do anything, even if it's not complete healing, I'll just take a little bit of healing. He says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says this. He says, if you can, almost as if he's like, hey, do you, do you understand who you're talking to? He says, if you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And then verse 24, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Then he says this, help me overcome my unbelief. And he has this moment, if he were here having this conversation with us today, even about this idea of skydiving, I think he would put it like this. You say, hey, I believe, just not enough to jump. Just, just, God, I, I, I believe what you're saying, Jesus. But I have these doubts. I have these questions. I have this part of me that's struggling. And the truth is that you and I have maybe been in that same place. But then this man goes through the process of dealing with his doubt. And let me tell you what happens when you and I don't deal with the doubt in our lives. When we don't deal with the doubt in our hearts and in our minds, that doubt, number one, it can lead us to disobedience. These aren't on your notes. I'm just telling you that doubt can lead us to disobedience. We saw this happen with Adam and Eve in the beginning of the Bible. Satan tempts Eve. He says, hey, did the Lord really say and there are moments in your life where your doubting and my doubting what God says leads us to leading, leading disobedient lives that are completely absent of the voice of God. Number two, doubt can stop us from making a decision to follow God. Maybe you're in the room today or you have friends or family that you know, and because they have questions about the Bible and because they have questions about, the, about God and because they have all of these doubts, they haven't yet made a decision to follow Christ completely because their doubts get in the way of them actually following God. Uh, number three, the thing that can happen is doubt can delay us from seeing the promises of God. 
We see this happen with the children of Israel, that they doubt what God had already said. And as a result, they don't get a chance to see it immediately. And the truth is that the same thing can happen to us, that there are promises of God that he has said, I want you to take me at my word. And because you and I don't really believe that God can do what he says, sometimes we, de- we get delayed in seeing the promises of God because we haven't dealt with our doubt. And so today I want us to look at three things I think we can do that are going to help us deal with the doubt in our heart and in our lives. And number one, I promise you, it's so simple. When you read it, you're going to say, I could be a preacher if that's all it takes. I promise you, it's right in front of you. The first thing that you and I have to do when it comes to dealing with our doubt is to keep showing up. Just to keep showing up. Once again, I want you to imagine all of, all of the things that this man has been processing through. All that he's seen, the pain that he must be in watching his son tormented by this thing from childhood. My son's been coughing for a couple of weeks now, and I'm heartbroken every night when he wakes up in the middle of the night coughing. I'm like, oh my goodness, he can't even sleep. Imagine seeing your children tormented like this. And this man comes and he comes to Jesus and his disciples, and it would have been really easy after he has this conversation with the disciples for him to go, oh, they couldn't do it. I brought my son to Jesus. I did all I was supposed to do. Uh, Imagine in that moment, he says, I've done enough. This is my plight. I'm forced to live with this. And my son is forced to live with this for the rest of his life. And in that moment where he doesn't see God move the way he thought, what if he gave up then? Then he never gets to the end of this story where he sees Jesus heal his son. Why? Because in that moment, he stopped showing up. And when it comes to your doubt and my doubt, 50% of the battle in overcoming doubt is being willing to keep showing up, being willing to keep praying about the promise of God, being willing to keep saying, God, I'm going to keep trying and trusting you at your word. For those of you in the room, maybe you've been dealing with whether or not God exists and whether or not God is good or whatever it is, and you're trying to make this thing from being your parents' religion to your religion and relationship with God. I'm telling you, 50% of getting through that moment is to keep showing up on a Sunday morning, to keep reading my Bible, to keep searching for answers, to keep trying to overcome the doubt, because there are so many times in our life where we allow the doubt to deter us. And as a result, we turn away from what the Lord really wanted us to see. And we turn away from the promises of God that he really said we could have. Half the battle is to keep showing up. Half the battle is when it looks bleak. God, I'm I'm struggling to believe this thing, but I'm going to keep showing up. Half the battle is, God, I don't know if I can honor the covenant and commitment of of my marriage. But God, I'm going to keep showing up. God, God, I don't know if I can really have peace like you said I can have peace. And I've been struggling with this thing and I really want it, but I just have all these anxieties and I've had all these things and all of these thoughts and all of these worries that crowd my mind and they mess with my sleep and they mess with my ability to even function day to day. And God, I don't know if I can really, really have peace like everybody else, but the truth is, God, that I'm not gonna stop. I'm not gonna stop praying for it because you promised me that I could have peace in my life. And in this moment, it's important for us to know that when we are trusting God at his word, we have to trust him at his word. 
This is not us pulling promises out of the air that we think. This is not us hearing, oh, Pastor Xavier said that I can have peace. This is God in your scripture. It says this for the believer. And as a believer, here is what you have promised. So God, I am taking you at your word. I am trying you at what you said. And 50% of the battle is God. I'm going to keep showing up and trying you at your word until I see what you promised. And not allowing our doubts to deter us, but allowing our doubts to push us closer to God. Here's what I'm convinced. I heard this anecdotal story once um, about these athletes in underdeveloped countries. And in some underdeveloped countries, they don't have facilities. They don't have these multi-million dollar facilities to train for track and field. And so they have to use things in their environment to try to train them and help them get better. And so what they've started to do is they look around and they find normal things that you and I would see as, as normal. And they start to use them as ways of training, ways to get better. And I started thinking about that that sometimes this is how you and I see doubt. That oftentimes we see doubt as a barrier to our faith. That oftentimes we see doubt as a barrier to trusting God. That oftentimes I keep walking and I ignore this thing and then I, I bump into some doubt and then I bump into some doubt and then eventually I give up and I say, okay, the Lord doesn't want me to do that thing, clearly. And because of my doubt, I let the doubt stop me from doing what the Lord said and thus seeing what the Lord promised. Uh, because I've doubted that I can be faithful in my marriage for so long, eventually I bump into it and say, hey, God, everybody cheats. Everybody is unfaithful. And so this is not the way you want me to go because I see doubt as a barrier to doing what God said and seeing what God promised. Because I've dealt with an addiction for so long and I've tried all the things and all the movements and all the prayer and all the Bible. And when I was growing up, somebody even anointed my head with oil. And guess what? I still struggle with that same exact sin because I've been bumping into that barrier for so long. I start to think, God, you don't even want me to be delivered from this sin. You want me to go a different way and walk a different path. But my encouragement to you is where we would see barriers, just like in underdeveloped countries, where we would see doubts and all of those things, that these athletes, what they started to do was they take these barriers, these normal things, and they start to use them for training. And so they do exercises, they jump over them, they use them for hurdle training and strength training and all of those things. And what I'm telling you is that your doubts are not barriers to trusting God but that overcoming your doubts are training you to continue to trust God more and more and more and more. That after I've overcome a piece of my doubt, what it does is it builds this testimony in my mind that if God, if you've helped me overcome this doubt, then I know when I hit another piece of doubt, then you can help me to overcome that one as well. And that this hurdle is just like the last hurdle, that the hurdle of peace was just like when I had the thoughts about whether or not you existed. And God, you proved to me one time you existed, and so I'm past that hurdle. But now I have this other hurdle of trusting you with my money and with my time and with my decision-making. And now, God, I'm saying, this is no longer a barrier. This is an opportunity for me to take a leap of faith. This is an opportunity for me to jump and try you at your word. And I know that if I can get past this barrier, if I can overcome it, then I come out on the other side of the doubt better than I did before I dealt with the doubt. That my doubt is not a barrier to growing in my faith. That overcoming my doubt is training me and helping me to develop my faith. 
the first thing that he does is he keeps showing up. The, the second thing that this man does in this moment is something that I'm not, I don't think many of us would have done, especially not to Jesus' face, is that he is willing to express his doubt. He's willing to express his doubt. See, you and I, we can't deal with doubt that we're not willing to express. And if you're like me, you grew up in a household where they say, hey, don't question God. And they say, hey, don't talk about that. When you say, I don't know if God is real, they say, what's wrong with you? And too many times we've tried to suppress the doubt. We've tried to ignore it. We tried to push it out of our heads. And what happens is the more we push it away, the more we ignore it, the bigger it gets until eventually it's screaming so loudly in our ears that I'm struggling to do what God said because I never wrestled with this little bitty seed of doubt that continued to grow the more that I ignored it. And so this man to Jesus' face says, I believe, but at the same time, I have unbelief. And you and I have to be willing to admit, especially as seasoned believers, that there are things that we just have to wrestle with, that there are things that we just may be struggling with. And when you and I wrestle with the doubt, it increases our faith in God. One of the things I've been doing recently, um, uh, I, my life wasn't busy enough um, between being a dad of a one-year-old, a husband, a campus pastor, all of those things, living a thousand miles away from my nearest family member. My life wasn't busy enough in any of that. And so I decided to go back to school and finish my master's degree because, you know, I just, I had so much extra time laying around that that's what I did. Uh, I didn't know what to do, sat and twiddling my thumbs all day. And so I, so I went back to school. But one of the things we've been wrestling with recently is do you really trust that every word in the Bible... It's real, that it's the word of God. Do you believe that the Bible contains the word of God? Meaning most of it is good, but some of it, uh, I don't know about that. Or do you believe the Bible is the word of God? And this is what pastors are wrestling with. And we force ourselves to say, God, I don't want to read something and be able to throw it away in my mind like it's not what you said, just because it doesn't sit right at first. We're saying, God, I want to wrestle with every part of this Bible, and I want to deal with it until I believe it. We're saying, God, I, I believe, but can you help me overcome this unbelief? And you and I need to wrestle in that way. We have to work out the doubt in our hearts because doubt, here's your fill in the blank, doubt that is expressed can be eliminated. That when I'm willing to admit that there's doubt in my heart, I can deal with the root of the issue, and that issue will no longer drag me away from God. It will draw me closer to God. That I look for questions and doubts as opportunities to explore. And here's what happens sometimes. Our, our, our children or our students, they come up to us with these doubts. And we tell them, hey, don't worry about that. Don't think about that. We, we don't talk about that. The Lord is good. Don't question God. And they leave you and they go to Google and they go to YouTube. And there are people who give them reasons to why their doubt is real. And they say, this is why you shouldn't trust God. This is why you shouldn't believe God. And they juxtapose people who are unwilling to have a conversation about a very real question with people who seem to have answers. And because they are starting to think intellectually, they say, why would I have a blind faith when I can prove this thing? 
And so you and I must be willing to confront our own doubts and then to walk our children through their doubts, to give them opportunities to ask questions, to give them opportunities to wrestle. And to, when you don't know an answer, don't say, well, I don't know. I just trust God. Say, hey, let's go read the Bible together. Let's go do some research together. Let's go watch some apologetics videos on what scientists who believe in God have to say about this thing and what people who study both nature and the Bible have to see about this thing. And let's come to a consensus because then I'm willing to deal with the doubt. And you know what that does? Now, when they get to college and they're confronted with a professor who believes opposite, they've learned to test everything and not just to believe what people have told them. We are training our children, our students, ourselves to overcome the doubt. And that's what this man does. He says, hey, I believe. Can you help my unbelief? And here, here's what I want you to know. I want you to show you this chart that's right here on your right when it comes to naming doubt. Oftentimes, what you and I will find is not that we doubt the power of God and not that we doubt the ability of God, but sometimes there are other small traits about God that we do doubt. And we don't realize it. And when we don't realize it, it's tough for us to deal with God. Why am I struggling in this area? So here's some traits of God. And let me show you how doubt shows up in different areas. Maybe it is that you've been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying for peace in your life. I don't know why I keep coming back to this idea of peace. But maybe you've been praying and praying and praying and praying for the peace of God that is promised in the Bible. And you're just not seeing it. And you have this doubt. But your doubt isn't in the power of God or the ability of God to give you the peace. Look at the chart. Maybe your doubt is in the fact that God is forgiving. And so really what you're saying, God, because I've been so bad in my life, maybe I don't deserve peace. And you don't think that the Lord can forgive you of the sins you have. And as a result, you believe he's withholding peace from you. And so your doubt is not about the power of God. It's about the forgiveness of God. The Bible promises that there are therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which means he has taken away the penalty and the guilt of our sin, that he carries that weight. But maybe you've been walking around and you're carrying the condemnation. And every time you sin, you start to wonder, oh my goodness, am I going to hell because I did this thing? Am I going to hell because I've done this thing? Am I going to hell because I've done this thing? And maybe you don't doubt the power of God to be able to remove your sins. Maybe you doubt that the Lord is loving Maybe you doubt that the Lord is slow to anger and you think that every time you sin, the Lord is so angry with you that he removes your name and now you're no longer allowed to be in heaven. And that's just not the character or the traits of God. And so you and I have to wrestle and struggle with God. What is it particularly about you that I doubt? Maybe right now you're saying, hey, I, I really believe that God is powerful enough. I just believe that God, I doubt that God is always present. And you get this picture of God that he's so preoccupied orchestrating heaven, that he's so preoccupied with the big problems of everybody else, that he's not present in your current situation and that he doesn't care about you. And the truth is that that doubt leads you to other places, that if the Lord is unconcerned and not present in my problems, then he's also unconcerned and not present in how I live day to day. And so my doubt about God being present and loving leads me to live a lifestyle completely contrary to God because he doesn't love me anyway. If he did, I wouldn't be struggling with this thing. And the doubt leads me from a small seed of, I don't know if I believe that, all the way to a lifestyle completely contrary to what God asked me to live. 
Why? Not because I doubt that God is powerful or that I doubt he exists or I doubt his ability, but because I doubt that he's present and that he cares. And so this list is here for you, and I want you to go through. You don't, you, you don't have time to do it today. As a matter of fact, this probably is going to take you weeks and maybe even years. I want you to go through all of these traits, and there are more traits of God. And I want you to ask yourself, God, do I believe this about you? And anytime I find something I don't believe 100%, anytime I find something I'm not willing to trust and try God in, then I have to say, God, can you help me with my unbelief in this area? And how does that show up? I reinforce my beliefs with the scriptures. And so I find what God says about himself. And I say, hey, God, can you help me to believe this thing about you and not what's in my head? Can you help me to believe in my daily devotion? God, can you show me scriptures about how you're giving? Can you show me scriptures about how you're a personal God? Can you show me scriptures about how you keep your promises? Scriptures about how you can redeem our lives? Scriptures about how you are healing? And I allow those things to reinforce my faith and to help me overcome my doubt. And now you see that there's this natural progression through this series because I start to believe God and take him at his word step by step. And here's the last thing that I think this man does. And here's the last I think we, thing we think we all need to do. Is number three, we got to be willing to trust and try God. To trust and try God. In the amplified version of Mark chapter 9, verse 23, it says it this way. It says, Jesus said to him, you say to me if you can. But then he says, all things are possible for the one who believes and trusts. And trust just means I'm willing to try. That when I really trust, it means I'm willing to put action behind what I say I believe. That a belief without action is just words. That that belief without action is just thought. You think God is a good idea. You think it's good to follow God, but you're not really following God until you make a decision to try him at his word. And oftentimes what we'll find in this is that faith is a prerequisite, not all the time, but oftentimes faith is a prerequisite to seeing God's power. That oftentimes we want God to show up for us. And then we say, God, if you show up for me in this, I'll believe you forever. But sometimes God says, hey, I want you to believe and start acting. And when I see that, I'll show you how powerful I am that this man brings his son to Jesus and he doesn't get healed until the man says, hey, I believe, help my unbelief. And when his faith is activated, he starts to see the power of God. And that's my prayer for you, that you would start to trust and try God and watch him do what he said he can do. That you wouldn't sit back and say, God, I'm gonna wait to be generous until I see you be generous to me. Hey, let me tell you something. I wish the Lord would allow me to make a million dollars before I had to be generous, before I had to start like giving to the church or to other people or anything like that. But that's not how it works. I have to learn to be generous. And then I watch the Lord do what he said. He didn't promise me a million dollars, by the way. I wish, but he didn't. The point is I have to trust and try God and watch him show up. And so now you see this, this journey this faith journey that we've been taking in this series that we start with, and this is where Pastor Mark started. Do I believe that God is the creator of the universe? Because certainly 
if I can believe and make the leap over my doubt that he created the universe, the next step is I start building faith in his promises. Because if I can believe that you're powerful enough to create the universe, I can believe you're powerful enough to keep your word in my day-to-day life. But then there's this journey that I go on in those promises and in that faith that Pastor Juan Carlos talked about, which is just because I started to believe it doesn't mean that I now don't have to walk through this thing of learning to trust you moment by moment, day by day, and all of those things. But eventually in your walk, as you're learning and growing in your faith, you will encounter some doubt. And part of learning to trust God in real life is, God, I trust you to be the creator of the universe. As a result, I trust your word and your promises. As a result, I'm willing to go on a journey. And on that journey, I'm willing to push past my doubts towards trusting you in real life. Not on a Sunday morning, but Monday through Saturday. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much just for this day that you've given us. God, we are just so grateful that you gave us your word. And God, because you gave us your word, we don't have to guess at what you promised. We don't have to wonder what you want for us. God, we just have to read your word and try you at what you said. And God, you said, not us, that all of your promises are yes and amen. And so God, we're gonna try you at what you said. God, can you give us the strength to overcome our doubt? Can you give us the strength to overcome our unbelief? Can you give us the strength to overcome any moment in our life where we're not trusting you? And Father God, we are ultimately grateful for everything you said. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody together say it. Amen. Amen. Amen.